0: Of Better Practice Better Life. Go to ActDental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. Have you ever thought to yourself, I should probably be a better speaker, a better presenter, whether it be as a practice owner or as a clinician? Maybe I could improve the way I speak to people. Well, today, I have the speaker's trainer, the ultimate speaker's trainer in dentistry, Catherine Itell-Belt. She was such an important part of my journey. She taught me so much, and today, I have her back on. To talk about how we can improve the way we bring messages to the people we serve whether it be in an operatory whether it be in front of your team whether it be on a stage it is awesome so make sure you guys listen up i know you'll enjoy it and we'll see you soon Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. Have you ever thought to yourself, well, I'm not a public speaker. I don't know if I should have to learn all this stuff. You do. You always have to be able to communicate. And as your practice grows, you're going to have to learn how to communicate better. And today we're going to be talking about messages that move people from one of the best teachers in all of the industry, Catherine Eitel Bell. Catherine, thank you for being on.
1: Oh, I'm so glad! It's always so much fun to be on with you, Kirk. So I'm I'm excited for our conversation today.
0: I am too, and we're gonna do two intros. Okay, mine is gonna be about you first, and then I want you to introduce yourself because okay. we have a sure. lot of young listeners. Um, but I'll tell you, uh, if you're listening to this, um, Catherine is is a great leader in dentistry. N- number one, I've been doing this for a long time. You're gonna meet so many people in this great industry. And then you're going to meet a handful of them that teach and lead and help you think better. And Catherine is that for us. She helps teach our coaches. Our coaches have done private retreats with her. Um, I just think you're one of the most gifted. Not only do you understand what happens in a dental practice, but you're able to teach it and tell stories. And your stories are so good. And the thing about your stories is like everybody, the stories are really about what I, what, even though they're yours. I'm like, I I've experienced that firsthand. I know what she's talking about. And before we hit the go button, I think you're just one of the best at taking left brain information and put it together with right brain information that really makes it stick. But I want to start here if that's okay. I want you to share your story a little bit. Who's Catherine? I tell Bell.
1: Oh, uh, if well, I've never Catherine. heard of you. Well, Katherine Itell-Belt is uh, someone who loves this industry very much. I started in college as a chairside dental assistant, sort of worked my way into some other posi- administrative positions and management level positions, and then eventually found my way into consulting and coaching and training. And uh, that's where I've been for several decades. Uh, and for a few of those two decades, I was a practice, f- full practice management consultant, and I loved it. But there was one slice of it I loved more than the rest, and that was when we coached leadership and communication skills. So uh, about ten years ago, I narrowed my focus uh, to coach on communication skills only, and Lion Speak was rebranded and born. Uh, and now Lion Speak, we we coach three different lanes of communication. Uh, we coach patient facing communications, which is telephone skills and treatment presentation, financial conversations. We also, um, second lane is team-facing communication. So culture, leadership, uh, something we call courageous conversations, which you and I have talked about on this podcast before. And then the lane we're going to be in a little bit today, we describe as audience-facing communication. So um, train the speaker, train the trainer, uh, and, you know, anything that where you've got, you're trying to communicate to a group of people. Uh, So, and we're known as the unscripted communications coach and coaching company, because I don't really love scripts very much. Uh, But I do love frameworks. So we teach frameworks and we say, you know, within the framework, you get to be who you are, as long as you commit to the framework and hitting the steps in the framework. You know, if you're funny, we hope you show up really funny. If you're Kirk, and your mind's going uh, 90 miles a minute, um, we hope you show up, uh, you know, the best version of that. We teasingly say, if you're direct, we hope you just show up careful. (laughs) But, um, but otherwise, you know, I think I think our audiences, our patients, our team members, all people we communicate with respond to authenticity, they don't want to respond to a version of someone else's script. So, um, so how do we become an excellent communicator, get the results we want, but still be who we are and be authentic? That's, that's the kind of coaching that I'm really interested in. So,
0: yeah. And you've taught me so many things. This is actually going back. This is one of my favorite things, the framework and the script thing, because I'm not very smart. So when I got started in this, (laughs) I was big at like passing out scripts. And then I realized It didn't work. Like, and I didn't know why. And you were like frameworks and I'm like, Oh, can you go just a little bit further? Not only in speaking, but even at the front desk, like you're, Mm -hmm. when you teach verbal skills on the phone, it's brilliant. But you also say, don't, don't be me. Do you know what I mean? Can you explain what a framework is versus a script?
1: Yeah. So we try to, I, here's, here's the reality. Um, scripts work, um, when people follow them, but they tend to be complicated. they tend to be um here is the step by step by step, and nobody can remember a hundred steps when the phones are ringing and people are coming in and out and 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 it doesn't feel authentic because they didn't they didn't craft it so but what one thing scripts did whether whether it's speaking from the platform or whether it's on the phone, one thing scripts gave us was consistency of message if people followed it right, right. and so I like that as a business owner, I don't want you to call my uh, office and talk to Kelly and get one experience or one set of information and then call and talk to Stacy and get something completely different. I mean, as a businesswoman, I want consistency of brand, of message, of, of information. Right. But if we only look at scripting to give us consistency, we lose authenticity that feeling that I'm actually talking to a human being who's present in this moment, who is really getting me. Um, and so, But if we only follow on authenticity, then we just, the conversations go wacky and wonky. So, so I'm the kind of girl that says, why do I have to choose? Why can't I have something where I can have consistency of branded message and information, I can get consistent results, and I can do it through this lens of authenticity and connectivity. And so that's what we, just, we just look at every place where we need a particular outcome, and we ask ourselves, what are the common threads in any good conversation for a new patient, for answering this particular kind of question, for speaking from the stage? How can we make it super simple so that people can remember it in a moment, Uh, So it can't be a hundred steps. It's got to be usually ours or somewhere between three and five steps. And we have found that people will more likely commit to that. And they tend to do it when no one's looking. If they really believe in the framework, they'll follow it when no one's looking. Whereas with a script, they follow it when they think they're going to get a mystery shopper call. But otherwise, when no one's looking or listening, they tend to go back to what feels comfortable. And I'm after sustainable long-term results. And the frameworks have just done that so much better.
0: Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. So we're going to start a little bit globally. Yeah. If I'm a dentist or a hygienist or even an assistant or a dental professional, why would I need public speaking skills? Just go a little bit further on that because I okay. I totally understand where you're going, but that's a question a lot of us get. Sure.
1: Sure. I think a lot of people would never aspire to be a public speaker and maybe they never will. But, you know, Warren Buffett said that someone asked him, if you had to narrow it down to one professional skill that you think is essential to people being successful in business, what is it? And he said public speaking, Mm -hmm. because if you think about think about an owner of a practice, whether it's a solo practice or it's a large group or a DSO uh, company. as an owner, our main job, in my opinion, is to make sure there's never a day that the people who work for me aren't clear what we're creating. And are, and because of that, our, our, there's never a day where they're not clear what they should be focusing on to help us get and achieve that future vision. And so the ability of an owner to stand up before a team and clarify where we're going, why we're going there, and what it's going to take. And simultaneously to inspire to do it in a way that inspires their team to want to get on board is a very, very important business skill and I would say lucrative skill for the owners that know how to, to do that. Because I think all communicators, we have two things we're trying to create with patients, with team, with the public, with our families. Right. Uh, that is clarity. Every time we speak, we're, we're hoping we're creating clarity versus confusion. And we're also hoping that we can create that clarity in an inspirational way. In other words, people leave a conversation from me and they're not confused about what I'm asking for. They're super clear, but they're also inspired to take a step toward what I'm requesting. Yeah. And if we can do both of those, we are an excellent communicator. So if you think about it from an owner standpoint, um you're gonna make you know if you're if you're hoping to scale your business you may be talking to and making a presentation to investors uh if you're a solo practitioner you've got a lot of really big issues in our industry today keeping your team on board um you know putting together a new team um realigning your team with new technologies and new things that you see for your future a lot of people are bringing in you know, sleep dentistry, or they're bringing implants internally into the practice or whatever they're doing, and they've got to get people on board with that. So that is standing up at a team meeting and essentially delivering a presentation. So that's, that's one way. Um, The second way is, if you're a hygienist, if you're a dental assistant or an administrator, you and, and if you have any desire, to advance your career in terms of your salary or in terms of your position, then the ability for you to, again, clarify your message and inspire a team is an essential skill to be at the front of the line for that promotion and at the front of the line for salary increases. It's a skill that, owners and managers long for, that, and they're willing to pay for. Um, And they notice the people at a team meeting that are able to stand up, make their case for what they're wanting to say, and do it in a way that brings people together and doesn't drive them apart. That skill is something we all want, and we notice it in our employees. Um, So I think there's that. There's just sort of deciding that you're going to use these skills to forge your career. Um, And lastly, the third way, the third reason I think that dental professionals would be interested in this is sometimes we are very passionate about a particular part of our, our work. And we wonder if what would it be like to help others understand it as deeply as we do or be able to have the proficiency and mastery that we have. So let's say a hygienist is particularly passionate and really highly skilled with lasers or a clinician is really passionate about, um, you know, implant placement, or, a, or an administrator is really passionate about a particular way of, in, of enrolling patients into treatment. There is an entire industry of people who have not mastered those skills and a lot of dental professionals will take on a side gig if you will of speaking about the thing they're very good at and very passionate about and they have this very fun uh lucrative side gig of sharing their passion with the industry and uh, so i just want to encourage people that it's easier than they think if that's if that's a goal um, to do it and that our industry really needs them they really need them
0: I totally agree. You're going to be my therapist here for a minute because I'm actually sweating while you're talking. I've never shared this, but like what you're saying is so true. And I'll start on the other end of it. So what Catherine is saying is absolutely true. And when you're a terrible speaker like I was when I got started, you undervalue your message. You do a lot of self-deprecating you know, humor and you're like, I'm not very good at this, but uh, yeah. and you just undervalue it and you, they're like, that's it? That's all you're going to say? And you're like, yeah, because I'm not very good at this and whatever. Yeah. And you don't realize the negative impact on this opportunity. So when you say words can move people, they can. And so this is 26 years I've been doing this. And the first 12 years, I actually thought about quitting dental consulting a lot, like mm-hmm. a lot. And because what you find is it's an extremely competitive thing and you fly mm-hmm. everywhere. And lead generation is the hardest thing in the world. You can do really well with a client, but it's not like they're referring every single person right. all the time. They're not like, yeah, 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 yeah. They I paid a lot of money for this bald guy to come to my office and you should too. It's like it's not like people are like, sign me up. I got some extra cash. So I yeah. actually created a sign. I've never shared this, but I created a sign around the tenth time I was gonna quit this, and it said. You will have to be a great speaker for any of this to work, and I knew I was terrible. And I actually videotaped one of the lectures, and I gave it to a speech coach. And this is what she said: she was a local speech coach. She goes, "This is terrible," and I'm like, "Oh, thank thank you so much." She's like, (laughs) "I'm so glad I reached out, and you just like confirmed I should probably quit." And she's like, "No, this is terrible." And we're going to change that. And so she spent week after week after week, like helping me, like, stop looking at the slides. There's the presentation is not there. It's not even here. It's like you have to be you have to set your school that it's so good that the presentation is in the hearts like they don't even have you. And she said this. She said, you ever been to a sermon that you've said that guy was talking to me (laughs) or she was talking to me. And so. I'm what you're saying. I just want to support. And you have been such an incredible help for me because I've watched you do your thing. And there are a few people that stand out and you're like, absolutely. So whether you're inspired to be a speaker, whether you aspire to lead an organization, whether you aspire to lead a family, you've got once you get good at it, you start yeah. to organize your thoughts and you can inspire people, whether you're coaching fourth grade baseball or whatever. It's so you're important. Right. Don't They're you agree? All
1: presentations, right? it's yeah. all presentations. And the, the essential tools are the same there if an owner we coach a lot of owners we do a, something called a calibration retreat and it's a retreat where we the the goal is to align the team with the owner's vision and cultural standards and so always part of that package is to coach the owner Uh, around this presentation because it matters. It matters that it's clear. It matters that it's inspirational. They don't have to be Tony Robbins, but they do have to talk about why we're going here and why the team would want to accept the invitation to get on board. Yeah. And that whole conversation really matters. So we coach them ahead of time because there will be a portion of that retreat that they will, you know, I'm not I'm ever I'm the facilitator, but I'm not the owner of this business. And when we talk about the vision and the cultural standards, they've got to hear it from the owner. Yeah. And so it we coach that presentation exactly the same as we do when we coach a professional, someone who's wanting to be a professional speaker or get better at it. That's So, so cool. This. Yeah. So, yeah. so
0: you, so you guys, if you're listening, this is the presenter's coach, like you're the coach, Catherine. So you've seen a lot of great, let's just go there. You've seen a lot okay. of great speakers. You've seen some bad speakers. What are the top, maybe three things that separate a poor average, or even a fantastic speaker? Just go there.
1: Uh, top three things. Okay. My first one would be content. Okay. Um, We, we're, we're cursed with something that I call the curse of knowledge. So if we're gonna take the front of the room, let's say that might be a stage, but it might just be the front of your team meeting, whatever, wherever that is. If you're gonna take the front of the room, it's a leadership position. And we could all talk for days on the things we're passionate about and that we know a lot about, but our audience can't listen for days and they can't absorb it. And so our goal is not to share with them everything we know about the subject, our goal is to organize our content in a very tight and easy to understand way. I always say our job is to make the complex seem simple. Mm. It's complex, right? Yeah. What you, what you teach, what I teach, what oh. what you know, these technical things that people that they're complicated.
0: Right, but ooh, our, ooh. To
1: Show how much we know.
0: Okay. So if you're a dentist, you know, how this is where right. your favorite speakers in dentistry. Like I hear that about Frank Spear and I've experienced that firsthand. He's sure. a brilliant dentist, but what he does is exactly what you said. He takes like this yep. stuff that we've been pondering forever. And he says a sentence. You're like, oh, that's it. That's do you know it, what I mean? I'm I like, that's it. it. I totally understand yes. where you're going. Yes.
1: So you got to make yes. the
0: complex simple. I love it.
1: Yes. And there are s- some simple ways to do that. Um, so, we use something we call the bookshelf uh, framework, and it's a, f- essentially a four-step. If you it, The quickest way to describe it is, I'll say to the people we're coaching, imagine you have a shelf and some brackets, a, a pile of books, and two bookends, and your goal is to make a beautiful bookshelf on the wall. Out of that pile of supplies, what would you, it's a rhetorical question, but what would you need to put on the wall first? Of course it's the shelf, right? right? the shelf of the brackets. So that's how we build this, the content structure of the speech. We organize our content using this. So the shelf represents what is in one sentence, what is this speech about? Like, what is the thing I want my people to understand and take away in one sentence? If we can't get clear about that, we can't get our audience clear about that. So that's actually the hardest thing of the whole bookshelf is getting that clarity. Once we've got that, then we put the books on. So the books are the containers. We say up to five, less is more. Um, uh, The books are the containers for the supporting concepts of our bookshelf one line, bottom line. So they hold the, the pieces, the things, you know, the examples, the, uh, the data, the support, the, you know, all of that. Now, all the books aren't the same size. Um, they might have chapters and subchapters depending on how much time you have. But people, once you get beyond five, people can't remember it and they tune out. So right. we try to put everything we wanna say inside these five books and, and how deep we go in them depends on time. Um, and less is more, best speech I ever heard. I still remember at Twenty. It was, it was 19 years, almost 20 years ago. I heard this speech at the National Speakers Association. And to this day, I can tell you what that speech was about, what I did with the information, why I thought it was important then and still now in my career and I remember he made us laugh. He made us cry. He made me think. He made can me I ask act. Who it was uh, Joe Calloway? Joe I Calloway. Joe. Yeah, yeah. And he had he had a forty five minute keynote f- to twenty five hundred professional speakers. That's a pretty big deal. And he nailed it. And twenty years later, I can remember what he said. How many people listen to us and twenty years later can say I remember? I remember what Catherine spoke about twenty years ago.
0: Right. Well, now the NSA, that is like a, that's like the top of the top. You're speaking to the that's, top that's speaking right. professionals in the world. I that's mean, a lot right. of those people are CSPs, which are certified speaking professionals. They're. Uh, that's um,
1: right. Of which I'm one. Of which I'm are, one. Yes. I
0: think I, yes, you are. Oh, of course you are. I, I knew that. <laughs> And again, I was it's telling her- I'm
1: really proud of it. I'm really proud of it. It's a very hard designation to, because you're right, It's it, this is a group of really highly professional speakers and it's hard to get that certification. And you're right. I mean, he's speaking to the best of the best, 2,500 of them from around the world. And he nailed that speech on with one book on the shelf. So it goes to show you that le- if you want your message to be memorable with your team, With an audience, with anyone, you wanna less is more. Clarity is everything. Um, So that's you know, and then the and then the two bookends are the opening and the closing. How do we make those really, really stick and really memorable? So that's organizing your content would be number one on my list. Number two on my list would be story. So if you think about the content as being the black and white information, then story metaphors examples, video clips, humor, all of that adds color to the black and white. Right. It adds the color. And that's what that's those are the pieces that make the content interesting yeah, and and also memorable. And so we would I would suggest people work on n- little things that happen in life that you say, you know, when I went. Uh, and picked up my dog from the groomer and the exchange I had with the clerk. That is essentially the same thing that happens over here. And start to think about where can I find simple stories that are analogous to what I'm trying. You know, what you're trying to say is, here's the point I'm making in my presentation. And it's just like this thing that happens in everyday life. It's just like that. Right. And the stories make it more understandable and more relatable. So stories would be something, learn to find them, learn where to put them and learn how to tell them in an interesting way. And then third would be, if you wanna be a great presenter, you gotta know what to do with your body on the stage. Because what we do with our body is, and you alluded to this earlier, really communicates Our level of confidence, our level of confidence in the subject, our level of confidence in ourselves as a professional, and our level of confidence really in the exchange there. So, what we do with our feet, our hands, our eyes, all of that. Uh, And people ask me all the time, "What should I do with my hands?" You know, and I say, "Well, I I don't think you should worry about too much unless you're doing something weird." You know, got your hands yeah. jingling something in your pocket. But uh, if, but I talk with my hands. I know a lot of people do, and I I don't worry so much about my hands. But I do worry a lot about where my feet are, yeah. because pacing, uh, backing up on this the front of the stage, you know, the from the front of the stage, um, swaying, um, you know, being kind of cocked off to one side with your weight on one. All of those things. Um, you know, definitely communicate. I'm not very comfortable up here. And so I think handling that uh, is probably my third. So content, content, uh, simplifying it, finding stories and putting some color on that, and then knowing how to move with confidence, move with ease on the stage um, is important.
0: You are spot on. I wish I would have met you earlier in my life. I would have saved a lot of <laughs> stomach lining. But you also helped me with the movement thing because I would just go back and forth. I I, I went like this just because I thought I was energizing the audience. But what I didn't know is I was I was nervous. So it was my it was my nervous. That's exactly
1: tick. what it is.
0: It's all it was. It was a nervous tick. A like to, yeah, to it's compensate true. for it. And I was just confusing people and exhausting people. I want to go back to the container too. what what you're saying is absolutely true, like putting the shelves up and then the books and keeping it shorter. You know, it's never been said in dental education. That lecture was too short. It's never been said, you know, and and what I did. So I did everything wrong when I got there. So I would organize the presentation because I didn't listen to Catherine early on. And I would say to myself, I've got 98 slides. So we would actually be at time the entire lecture and I've got, I got seven more and I would keep everybody a half hour late cause I had yeah. to get through all seven of them. And I learned that's terrible. <laughs> it's better to finish early. They don't know when your last slide is. No. You can finish right now and go, let me finish with one last story. There and you are. can actually, you can stop in the middle of a content piece and go, Oh, there's three, four minutes left. Let me share with you one last. Story. Am I on the right track or not?
1: You are, totally. I think um, really professional speakers and consultants and any professional ends on time. They just do. And so um, there are some tricks of the trade, no doubt about it. Uh, we divide content into need to know and nice to know. So once you have divided it in your mind and in your slides and in your handouts, then it's pretty easy to see, glance down at the time, see you're maybe running a little behind and Put them in a little exercise where they turn away from you to do their exercise. You come over here, skip, skip to the next need to know and wrap this up. And they, they're never the wiser. The audience never knows what you skipped. But what they do notice is just what you described, that you get to the end and you go, oh, I've got, oh, and you speed walk through the slides, you speed talk through the content, and then you get them out late. They, they know that. And, um, it's just not, it's just not professional. And part of it, a lot of it comes from we had too much in to begin with. We had two, I mean, 98 slides for an hour presentation. I mean, I usually have maybe 10 or 15 because the bookshelf outline is in my head. And if you do this long enough, your slides are going to go down anyway. Right. There's gonna be a time where the videos don't work, the slides don't work, whatever happens. And so you just have to know that bookshelf and be able to speak to it, uh, in the room without anything. And right. when you can do that, you really have a sense of of really deep confidence about it. So and that comes across to the audience, no no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, I've this is gonna be a two hour podcast, so there's no question. I, <laughs> and and it's a therapy session for me. So like uh Uh, I have so, so, so many questions um, as a lot of people do. So I get this question probably once every two weeks. Somebody comes up to me and says, I want to be a speaker and or it's either a retired dentist, a young professional. And I always say it's amazing, but I want to set your expectations at the right level. So you are a CSP. I did know that. I just forgot it. I want you to talk about that. That is no small feat. I was presented with the idea and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like climbing Everest. I don't want <laughs> to think about that. But can you put us in the right place? What's it like to be a professional speaker in our industry, I, you know, from your perspective?
1: Yeah, no, it's a wonderful, wonderful side gig. It's a wonderful full-time career. Um, right. I will say that you can make a living being a speaker. You absolutely can. Right. But to make a good living being a speaker, you're going to have to be on the road a lot. So that really is intriguing and fun for some people and for others, you know, young parents, um, young, prof- you know, that may not be uh, may not work for the lifestyle, full lifestyle that they want. So just know that if you're going to make a living from speaking honorariums and from the 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 work of speaking, of, it may only make sense. You're going to be traveling a lot. Um, there are other reasons to be a speaker. Sometimes it's a philanthropic, there were something we're really passionate about and we want to like, I know some people who speak on human trafficking and they're not interested in the honorarium. They're really interested in the, in in making a difference in the world and that's all they really wanna do. So it's not about the money. Um, also another, you know, like you and I talked about, if you do have a business, um, professional speaking is a is a really great marketing tool for me. Yes. it's a fantastic marketing funnel for clients and so uh, I care a little less about uh, what I am compensated for for the speaking gig if it's a perfect fit audience for me if it's if it's not a perfect fit audience, then I do want my honorarium. but so I've made some business decisions around that because um, you know, I don't want to be on the road all the time. I want to be on there just enough to spread the message that we're passionate about and for it to be, you know, a good um, adjunct to our business. So I think there's those things to consider, the lifestyle to consider, but I'll tell you moving an audience to action and watching the light bulbs go off, I know you know this feeling, Uh, having people come up later, either at the speech or sometimes years later and say, that speech you gave two years ago changed my life, you know, Um, that those are, that is part of the reason that I love being a speaker is watching and having and experiencing those moments of transformation in my audience. So if that's something that is calling you. Um, I think speaking is a great vehicle for that. Uh, it takes, you know, if you wanted to get started, if you've never been a speaker, uh, get some coaching. Get make sure your content is really good and and that your speech is good. And then there are organizations that can help you get in front of meeting planners. There are showcases in our industry. I know Seattle Study Club has a showcase. Um, S- uh, speaking Consulting Network. Uh, you know, lots of d- different organizations have some speaker showcases. Um, uh, Elijah Desmond on d- uh, Dentistry's Got Talent. Uh, yeah. They're like Ted, TED talk, you know, short 10, 20 minute uh, talks, but you can get on and get in front of meeting planners and they get to take a look at what you have to offer and then decide if they want you on their program. So okay. um, some great ways to get started.
0: But Catherine, what if I'm terrified? You know, they say ah. like this people say, I, you've heard this one. People yeah. are more afraid of speaking than dying. Have I you heard think that I one or something like I that? I have. What if I, help me through the, I'm terrified. Now I'll even, let me throw some extra terror in there. Okay. If you ever go on a any type of a bigger stage, like a Seattle study club, that's 10 times, because you can't see anything. The lights yeah. are just, it, yeah. you're sweating, you're miserable. So I'm extra terrified. Help me through my fear. How do I it, get over this?
1: Probably the people who are... Um, really terrified have' already turned this off because they can't they can 't even stand the thought of it um, yeah but I, if you 're still with us if you 're still right. with us and you 're thinking oh, yeah but i 'm frightened, which is so common as you just i mean it 's a very common fear, and here 's why, and here 's what to do about it I like you, I got a lot of coaching speakers coaching early in my career paul homily um, uh, Mark LeBlanc, you know a lot of people that coached me on my performance skills and i'm so grateful for it and i i have heard a lot of things and probably your listeners have too of you know take some deep breaths uh yoga breaths into the and diaphragm you know um uh, maybe do some jumping jacks outside the room or take the stairs you know to the room instead of the elevator and those things can work but they are in my opinion addressing the symptoms the what are the symptoms sweaty palms uh, dry mouth, racing heart, shaky hands, shaking knees, you know, all of those are are symptoms of a deeper cause. Right. And, and so the deep breaths and all of that stuff address the symptoms, I would rather think about addressing the cause and not having the symptoms. The symptoms are a result of adrenaline that is pumping through your blood. That is a fight or flight response from the amygdala in the brain, right? The primitive part of our brain that says we're we perceive a threat here. There's a threat and you're not safe. So get the heck out of there. Run or fight. And it pumps this adrenaline to allow you to run really fast or fight. Well, we can't do either of those if we want to stay on the stage or we want to stay at the front of the room. So I when I started thinking about why do we view it as a threat? What, what is the threat? Because without a threat, the amygdala isn't triggered. Right, And the threat is that we fear, essentially, judgment. We think of the audience or we look at the audience or we're being introduced to come on and we start. we feel that heart rate starts speeding up. It's because our amygdala says, These people are going to judge you. Are they gonna like my content? Are they gonna argue with it and disagree with it? Am I gonna look foolish up here? Am I gonna forget my words? What if I forget my word? What if they don't laugh at my jokes? What if they and we just build this up to I'm not gonna be good enough, I'm not gonna be safe up here, this is not gonna be good. And the and the amygdala says, Well, get out. And it pumps the adrenaline, so you can. But because you don't run, it comes out in the shakes. It, that's all the adrenaline trying to work itself out. So here's what I do. Every time I feel that, and I just felt it recently, I was speaking before 150 of my peers. This was last weekend. And it was a new speech because these people have all heard my other speeches. So I had to come up with something new. So, first time I've done this speech, and all of a sudden, it's been years, but all of a sudden, I've got the butterflies. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. And I've learned to bless. First of all, I've learned to acknowledge it, to say, well, there you are. Mm -hmm. And then I bless it. Thank you for reminding me or alerting me, because I wouldn't be feeling this otherwise, alerting me that I have framed this audience as a body of judgment. So let me reframe it in the other thing I know it is. It is, I mean, if we're honest, there is some judgment in that room. They're waiting to see, are you going to be worth my time? For
0: sure.
1: Yeah. So I'm not going to say it isn't a body of judgment but i'm going to say it is also something else what it is also is a body of need they're they're there because they're hoping against hope that you're going to say something that for the first time they're going to understand this in a way they never have before that that you're going to say something that's going to ease some discomfort around your content that they have, that you're going to put some ointment on a wound or a, a you know a, a pain point that they have. So if I speak on phone skills to a group of administrators, I know one of their pain points is price shoppers, insurance calls that they when they aren't a provider and difficult demanding patients. Those are some pain points they have. And one of their deep pain points is they, they want to know what to do, but they don't want to have to read from a script. And I know I'm getting ready to give them some solutions to those pain points. So when I'm standing off being introduced and I feel that those butterflies start, I say, there you are. Okay. Thank you for reminding me that I'm viewing the, otherwise I wouldn't feel this way. Let me also view them and frame them as the body of need and pain that they're in when I do that, I say to myself, I'm here to contribute to that. I might not have all their answers, but I think I can ease their pain a little bit around this. I do. And what happens is the brain's attention moves from out of the amygdala into the prefrontal cortex. And that is where, of course, we have executive function and decision-making, but we also have empathy. Mm -hmm. And like, if if I tripped right now in front of you, Kurt, if I tripped you wouldn't have to wonder what to do you your prefrontal cortex would fire your empathy would fire and you would stoop down and say oh catherine are you all right can i help you right we're gonna have empathy we're gonna want to help so when i see them as a body of pain that i could help ease i move from that adrenaline firing and cortisol to the prefrontal cortex, which then engages my empathy and my empathetic response. And guess what I secrete there? What I secrete there into my bloodstream is serotonin and dopamine and all of the feel-good hormones that calm me down and center me. And that's the antithesis of what happens when I'm operating from my primitive brain. And so it's my advice would be if you're afraid, just know that there are some things you can practice ahead of this that will cause you to lean into that audience and their discomfort and get them to lean into you and never put yourself up there as the end all be all answer, but just someone there in service, just in service. Um, to helping them be a little better off than they were before. And I have just had great success with treating the cause of the jitters and the fear rather than the symptoms of the fear. That has been much more powerful for me.
0: That is so well said in service, you know, because I think you said this to me, I can't remember a long time ago, like, okay, just understand this. All these people are not sitting with their arms crossed, hoping that this is going to suck. Right. They're not. They are yeah. hoping like they, they want, they want you. That to
1: nugget.
0: They
1: want, yeah, they do. They,
0: they're wishing, they're actually cheering you on. They are. Because they've committed they time to this, you know? Yeah. Um, so that is so good. I have to ask you, okay, so you are very connected. So what's the hottest topic? Like what are, so if I'm picking up what you're putting down, which you should be, if you're listening to this, Catherine, <laughs> I'm in. What What's the hottest topic in, in the dental environment, in today's dental environment?
1: Well, if you're talking about um, platform speaking, then I would say right now, it's sort of the, you would, you know, you've heard the flavor of the month, right? in ice cream. Well, so for us, there's been a flavor of the decade. Uh, I remember, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, you know, it was really uh, dentists and office managers thinking more like a business person. Uh, That was, that was the hot topic. And then we moved into the, you know, I don't know, nineties, I guess, uh, where Bill Dorfman was on TV. The smile makeovers and cosmetic dentistry was the topic of the decade. And and not, not that these aren't still topics, but they're maybe not the hottest topics. With then we now we've moved in into this era, which is really not only complete health for our patients, whole complete health through the mouth, but also for the clinicians. So hot topics right now are how do we develop practices uh professionals and therefore patients that are able to enjoy a very balanced and whole well-being in this profession so anything that centers around well-being balance um, communicating to our patients that it's not just decay you know that maybe their their diet, their lifestyles are contributing to this, and that we should talk and look at whole health. Um, Anything along those lines is a hot topic right now. And that is so.
0: The- yeah, and if you've been any like major meeting, you know, yep. like, one of my favorite of all time is Uchi Odiatu. You know, well, there so you go. He's he, a hot
1: commodity right now. You know? he's
0: one of the hottest. So, mm-hmm. so I'll tell mm-hmm. a quick story. Like. What Catherine said is absolutely true. So I was speaking at the Chicago midwinter. I had three team members of mine that were with me. And they said to me before I got started, they said, okay, we go across if we the go hall. See yeah. I'm like, oh, so you're going to go over to the velvet ropes there with all those people waiting to get into that room. They're like, yeah, can we go? And I'm like, oh yeah, just go, just go. And all you could hear was shouting and screaming. And they came back and they go, that was so fun. But it, but it's exactly what you said it's not only total health for the patient it's total health for the clinician it's it's movement it's your body it's your mind it's gut health you know yeah.
1: yes yes so, it's all of that. So anything that around that would be a hot topic. But lots of other things, you know, how do we navigate, I mean, in, in the employment crisis is a hot topic, you know? Yeah. How do we we had a we've had a lot of people over the last decade that have been like, "Oh, you know, culture, smulture, you know, if I get around to it." Now all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I sort of get that if I don't create an amazing culture, they just go down the street for a, f- a few bucks more, you know? So, so the ability to retain people is really a hot topic today. Um, and how to get the best from your team, how to really align them around, uh, uh, you know, a common, a common vision is, is still, a, still a hot topic. So yeah. uh, from, the dental, from the dentist owner perspective, uh, teams are hungry for being enrolled into something bigger. Um, and the owners that have the ability to stand up before their team on a regular basis, certainly on an annual basis, and re-clarify what we're building, re-clarify why it's important, re-clarify what the team's role is in that and what their cultural standards are and in terms of how we're going to act along the journey, Um, their ability to do that and inspire people with stories around that, uh, those owners do better. Those companies do better when owners have that ability to do it.
0: Yeah. One of the things you teach owners is um, inspiration, hope, and alignment. Now, that third word is one of my favorite because I didn't really understand it. I kind of knew what it meant. It's a nice word. Hope and inspiration, everyone would agree. Those are really good. But speak about the importance of alignment with people and what you can do as a presenter.
1: It's the difference between you have to and you get to. Mm. So when we tell people what they need to do and we... You know, uh, supervise them to see if they're doing and we call them in for a conversation about what they're not doing and they gotta do it and they have to do that. I would, I would encourage people to get you have to out of your vocabulary and stop even thinking about supervising anybody because this workforce today is not inspired around supervision. What they are inspired around is growth and coaching toward that end. So what we frame it as um, is an invitation. So when the owner stands up and claims this future and clarifies it and claims the standards that they want in place to enjoy the journey on the way, we make an invitation to everyone in that room. We say, we hope that you are, excited as we are about this and that you want to join us and we will take you walking over the threshold tomorrow morning as an acceptance of our invitation to get on this train and go where it's going and do the work that it's all going to take for us to make sure it gets to its destination and that you're you're in the game you're 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 raising your hand and saying i accept the invitation i'm in Uh, because what we don't want are people who feel forced to do anything forced to do anything we want you to know we totally respect every single day you have a choice you can work here or you can work somewhere else um we want to make sure that every day you walk across the threshold you know what you're signing up for you know what you're the invitation you're accepting and um we hope every one of you chooses it we'll understand if it's not a good alignment for you it's about saying i've decided and here's where i'm going and i'm looking for people that that excites them too And if it doesn't and it isn't in alignment with your own personal vision for your life, which it may or may not be, then we want you to know we support you. We're not angry. Um, We'll do whatever we can to support you getting in alignment with your own personal vision, uh, life vision. But we're headed here. We're headed. Yeah. That alignment is huge.
0: It is huge. And I'm just going to encourage you guys, you guys have to check out what Catherine does. I, I, can I ask you a few more? I'm totally loving this. Can I ask you one more question before we, because I know you. I'm keeping you way longer than I anticipated, but I want you, one of the things that you teach is the difference between storytelling and story selling. Can you explain that?
1: Yeah. So storytelling is just what we know, what we've all experienced around our Thanksgiving dinner table, right? For our grandparents storytelling. And it's a great tool. But when you understand story selling, you're actually asking yourself if you're an owner, what is it that I'm trying to quote unquote promote or sell or get my people to buy into? How do I, I could either tell them or I could craft a story that draws them into the same point. And the same is true for professional speakers in our industry, rightfully so, um, we all sign contracts that say we cannot directly promote from the stage, and that 's for good reason, so that we don 't uh, especially give clinical advice that is b- bought and paid for by right. some company right so but a lot of us are there to to hopefully create some lead generation, and I have found it 's much better it i can I can uh, uh, appeal to both the meeting planner not not be a, an overt salesman from the stage but i can show my audiences what is possible by using a store a client story um, a uh, a story around a patient experience i can use story to communicate to them what i want them to know so if i want them to know that we travel to their practices to do retreats, if I want them to know we also have speaking skills, if I want them to know that we are um, a great believer in unscripted uh, communication skills, then I weave it into a story. So instead of saying, you should do business with LionSpeak because we believe in unscripted and we come to your practice and we also do virtual work and we blah, blah, blah. Um, Instead of saying all that directly, I just embed it in a story. and. Everybody's happy. So, and they're much more, it's much more compelling. And so story selling is a, we do it with patients all the time. If you're good, if you're good at treatment presentation, you're using story of past patient experiences to promote your services to a current new patient or, or treatment plan. So yeah, story selling is a great tool.
0: That's awesome, Catherine. I am so grateful to have you in my life, and just that you're on. I want any last thoughts you have on, you know, messages that move people. Like, give us the final bow on this. What would you
1: say? I say messages do move people if they're because we think in story and we think in um, pictures, and so stories create pictures in the mind, and that's what we remember long after the the bullet points. So any leadership position, office manager, team lead, owner of a practice, owner of a DSO, um, clinician that wants to share their expertise, somebody that wants to move up their career into some level of leadership, all of those, one of the skills you'll need will be to be a great presenter and I think le- you can learn them quickly. Uh, they're not that complicated and anybody can become a better presenter, anybody.
0: Amen. And should. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if you're gonna learn them, learn them from the best. And uh, Catherine, you truly are one of the best of all time. Good. So. Uh, I want people, if I'm listening to this, how do I find out more? Where do I go? Now we're going to put this, if you guys aren't taking notes, don't worry, we're taking notes for you. I'm going to put all of Catherine's information down in the show notes. So whatever you're listening to, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, flip up, you're going to see some links that you can click on. But how do I find out more about what you do, Catherine? Where do I go?
1: Go to our website, which is L I O N S P E A K dot net dot com is Lions Peak Winery. So go there if you want wine. But if you want a a communications coaching and speaking skills, then go to lionspeak.net and uh, there is a tab that says speaking skills if you go to that tab you'll see a virtual product that we just completed i'm so proud of it Uh, it is a um, learn at your own pace uh, video series on how to become a better presenter and um, we have a you know a lot of information about that and some other coaching that we offer there um, and I'd love to offer um, a code that, if you are interested in purchasing the video instructional series on presenting, uh, use the code Lion Two Hundred, and it will save you two hundred dollars off of that video series. Uh, it's a great um, learn at your own pace video series. Walks you through content creation, uh, what to do with your body on the stage, how to manage your nerves, all of that. So,
0: yeah. Not only do you have the best speaker, but she went she went all in on this. Like she she had it produced by Peter Kurtz. If you guys yeah. don't know who Peter Peter's like like he's like the it's like having the best director and producer yes. in the film industry. <laughs> yeah. And and but he's I, I would say he's dental specific, don't you think? Like yeah. he's worked with yes, the yes. very best. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Peter took the, like, I've had a lot of headshots. They're all terrible. Like, I have two photos that Peter took. I'm like, Peter, these are amazing. My favorite
1: one is one Peter took. Same thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's the best. So, yeah. Catherine, I am so, so grateful. So, thank you for being on.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I love being with you and with uh, all of your listeners.
0: That's awesome. Well, stick around. we we'll say goodbye to everybody else. Um, gosh, I, I'm like speechless talking to
1: the <laughs> speech are never coach.
0: You nah, I know, I know. But uh, thank you guys for listening to The Best Practices Show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, do us a favor. Hit the share button. Share this with your friends. We are just loving this. So keep sending us suggestions for things that you guys want to see. I'll have Catherine back again and again and again. Um, I just, I just think she's brilliant. So, um, so thank you guys for all the support and all the suggestions you're already sending us, but until you guys hear from us next time, or you see us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm gonna spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.